Hey, it's Tara. Today's quick episode is a sample of something I'm creating for paid subscribers to What Works. I'm calling it my This Is Not Advice column, or Tina for short, not to be confused with Tina a la There Is No Alternative. If you know, you know. Now, paid subscribers not only receive this subscriber-directed content, they also have the chance to, well, direct the content. When you're a paid subscriber, you can write in with a question, topic, or observation that you'd like my take on, maybe some added context here and some sideways observations there. Now, if you like today's episode and want to get more of it, go to read dot explorewhatworks.com and become a paid subscriber for just $7 a month. That's read.explorewhatworks.com to become a paid subscriber and support the research and analysis I do. When I'm not reading, writing, and making my own podcast, I'm a podcast producer. My husband and I started Yellow House Media to help people make better podcasts from content to production to strategy. But this is not an ad for that company, just a preamble to today's question. Last week, one of our podcast hosts asked a version of a question I'm asked all the time. What else can I do to grow my audience or platform or brand or email list? To me, this isn't only a question for independent workers and small business owners, although it's especially salient for that group. It's also a question that points to a bigger trend in work in general. And that trend is the way all workers are now encouraged to be entrepreneurs of themselves. This is evident in the portfolio career model, the lessons about personal branding, and what Mickey McGee has called the belabored self. That is, constant work on perfecting oneself to fit the market. Now, this question has become particularly fraught over the last nine months or so, when I would have once been able to begrudgingly prescribe a series of actions on various social media platforms or construct a content strategy designed to attract new readers, listeners, or viewers, the media landscape has become to borrow Cory Doctorow's term, inshitified. Thanks to inshitification, none of the legacy platforms are viable candidates for a concerted strategy. And splitting one's effort across multiple platforms is just watering down already ineffective action. The thing is, building an audience, it's not a secondary activity. It's a primary activity. Or it's just not happening at all. There is no shortcut. And contrary to the belief of some, there never was. There is no part-time strategy for building an audience of many thousands. And many thousands is the bare minimum for building any kind of career as an independent creator, writer, podcaster, or YouTuber. And I wonder how long it will be before Many thousands is a bare minimum for many other traditionally employed professions. By the way, I've written before, specifically for freelancers and business owners, that audience building is not the same thing as finding clients, in, in case that's your concern. 
Building an audience and building a client base are two different categories of activity that often share the same tools, but not the same methods. You can find a link to that article in the show notes. So if audience building is a primary activity, what does that activity actually look like? Well, it's not all about producing content, nor is it about self-promotion. Audience building as a primary activity is relationship building. It's legitimately interacting with others who share your interests. Now, relationship building has often been misconstrued as a means to a commercial end. An influencer might build relationships with their fans to increase sales by upping the perception of reciprocity. An agency owner might build relationships with other service providers to grease the wheels for referrals. A job hunter might build relationships with people in the industry they're looking to break into and get a few steps closer to a new job. And sure, those can all be ways that relationships do pan out. But audience building, in my experience and in my observation, is much more like making friends. The relationship is the end, not what the relationship can get you. But when one makes friends in and around their career, business, or interests, those relationships tend to bear fruit. Now, typically, the next question I get is, well, then who should I be building relationships with to grow my audience? And the answer is why relationship building can't be a capital S strategy, or at least not in the polished way we like to think about capital S strategy. The philosopher Byung-Chul Han argues, quote, as the entrepreneur of its own self, the neoliberal subject has no capacity for relationships with others that might be free of purpose. Nor do entrepreneurs know what purpose-free friendship would even look like. Sociologist Zygmunt Bauman observed something similar. In the insecure, unstable, and uncertain life of the 21st century, what he dubbed the liquid modern because of its lack of solidity, he noticed that humans have learned to treat each other as, quote, objects of consumption and to judge them after the pattern of consumer objects by the volume of pleasure they are likely to offer and in value for money terms. Now, I find Han and Bauman's arguments incredibly compelling. It does feel like talking about relationship building, even making friends, will inevitably revert to capital S strategy. But I'm going to attempt to thread that needle. To me, the difference between relationship building strategy and the more mundane everyday making friends is a matter of the presence of genuine interest, and whether that genuine interest is satisfying enough to elicit action or whether it's merely a means to an end. And one of the reasons I switched to Substack, not only for my newsletter, but as the primary container of my quote-unquote social media activities, is because many of my favorite writers are here. 
Plus, I know that there are many more writers like them here. People I'd be genuinely interested in reading, commenting on, and even talking with if I only knew they existed. Despite having been pretty selective when it comes to who I follow on other platforms, those platforms stopped connecting me with people I was genuinely interested in following years ago. My contributions to those platforms have been reluctant at best. So making friends happens when I take an interest in what someone is up to, when I express that interest, and when I repeat that interest regularly. I can't make friends with someone simply because they have a big audience or a recognizable name. You might be able to fake it, but I'm autistic and I just literally can't fake that kind of thing. Taking an interest might look like reading a piece or listening to a podcast episode and composing a thoughtful comment. It can also be saving an article and linking to it later as a source or inspiration. It could be sharing people's work that makes me think or feel something. Taking an interest means joining the conversation. Actually connecting with people and developing relationships of mutual concern is typically a slow process. But over time, one finds themselves part of a network of people who are looking out for each other and lifting each other up. Okay, but what about social media? There was a time when social media platforms were a great place to make friends. I have made a lot of friends on social media, and I won't deny that it's still possible today. But the culture, not to mention the actual workings of the platforms, shifted and made it more difficult. Luckily, we've been making friends and nurturing support networks for a long time, long before Zuckerberg started plotting to take over the world. Social media can still be a tool or a channel for building lasting relationships, but it requires a different approach. Think about arriving at a friend's housewarming party where you only know one or two of the other guests. What would you talk about with people you didn't know? What questions would you ask? What would you reveal about yourself? Perhaps those questions sound simplistic, even naive, but many of us have lost the ability or awareness to connect with another person without the valence of commercial gain. Self-promotion, after all, is not connection. Marketing is not relationship building. So back to basics is exactly what's needed. A final thought. The question that inspired today's column was framed by a concern about creating more. Could another email, video, blog post make a difference? In most cases, more is not the solution. The solution, as I've written before, is to make remarkable work. Remarkable means something that merits attention, noteworthy. To state what is probably obvious, the word remark comes from root words that mean to note again. As a writer and podcaster, my job is to make a note that inspires others to note it again. The remark might 
be a comment, a share, a text message to a friend that I'll never know about, or a shout out in a roundup post. The remark may be timely, or it might come months or years down the line. Creating remarkable work is part of joining the conversation and taking an interest in others. Remarkable work requires engaging with others whose work informs mine in some way. When the focus is on more, it's hard to make remarkable things, and it's near impossible to allow the space for others to remark. Even a short blog post or off-the-cuff video takes time. 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour or more? That same time could be put into another revision of the piece that hasn't been published yet. It could go into finding a story that really makes it sing or a historical detail that puts things in context. That time could be used to think through how people with different experiences than one's own might receive the piece. One can also use that time to read, watch, or listen to something that someone else made to give it one's full attention and remark on it. All of those options, and plenty of others, are a better use of time than making more. When the focus is on not making things better per se, but making them more interesting, it's a lot easier to strike up the kinds of conversations, remarks, that lead to new friendships and deepen existing ones. And while that's not exactly audience building, it's the reason why many people have big audiences.